we want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. This question, why is Thanksgiving so important? Why is Thanksgiving so important? It's because it reminds us um, what we came from, right? It reminds us what we came from, and it fixes a lot of stuff. It helps heal a lot of things. It doesn't completely repair for good until we get to heaven, uh, everything in our lives, but it starts to um, uh, build something, create a clean heart in us. It creates a new heart in us. It creates a fresh start in us as we are thankful people. You look at Tylenol and you look at aspirin and you say, oh, take this for this, take this for this, 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 this. There's so many remedies uh, that Tylenol helps, right? And, um, and, and aspirin helps. But that's kind of like the Bible when it talks about Thanksgiving. It fixes all kinds of diseases. I, I wrote here that... Um, it is a common uh, heal. It helps uh, heal the disease of comparison, the virus of criticism, and the illness of complaining, like we talked about last week. In an effort to uh, be more thankful, I want to just spend a couple of minutes. And it sounds like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, but spend a couple of minutes on that virus, sickness, illness of comparing today because it can uh, be detrimental to our life. It can mess things up. And I want to call this gratitude message today, I have a number of titles. So if you're taking notes, you can write any of these titles down. The, uh, the, these are the titles. I'm not sure which one I'm going to use. How many followers do you have? How many likes did you get? What model phone do you have? If, if it was a business owner here, I might say, how much money did you clear last year? If it's to moms, I would say, how are your kids doing in school? Well, my kids are doing, well, I saw my friend and they, they look like her kids are. And then all of a sudden, comparing starts to creep up. Or maybe, uh, maybe you would just call it this, the fundamental tyrant of comparison. Because we all deal with it. We all deal with comparison. Oh, not me. I'm not comparing myself with anyone else. Yes. Every single person in this room does. That's why I'm making eye contact with every one of you. This is not something that I would say, well, this is for a few. This is for all of us today. We all deal with the tyrant of comparison at times or another. Would you bow your heads and just, uh, Lord, we just, uh, we don't pray again because we're asking for your presence here. We just, and you know, you said you want to call this place, you want us to call this place a house of prayer. And so we include you in everything we're doing. And specifically right now, we include you in um, the hearing because we know that the Bible says it is by hearing that faith comes uh, and by hearing the word of God. It says it twice. And so today we ask for faith to arise in us. We ask for contentment to come. We ask for uh, fulfillment and a satisfied life because of what you have done for us. Lord, I pray you anoint our ears to hear. I pray that every person would sense the Holy Spirit speak to them in, in a way today. Not even what I say, but what the Holy Spirit speaks through your word to them in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Remind me to you close the service today with the other stuff we got to get done, okay? Amen. In a day when Facebook is uh, trying to change its name, I don't know if it's even true anymore. I heard it about three weeks ago. To Meta. Um, 
it's, it's, it's ironic that they would because I looked up what metta means and it's a Buddhist term that means um, taking interest in others. I want to take interest in others. And if that's what you want to call it, and some of you would say, I don't relate with you. I'm not on Facebook. I'm a Christian. Well, good for you. But most people are in some way or another in some kind of social media. Um, if that's what you want to call Facebook, then great. It's a place that you take interest in others. I would um, probably rather call it a place where we uh, get jealous of others or we compare ourselves with others. Um, we endlessly scroll through Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and whatever you, whatever you do. And we think we're doing it. We even do this with the news just to keep up on what's going on. I have to. I have to be informed what my friends are doing. I have to be informed what's going on around me. And um, in that, I think we um, are finding ourselves trying to measure up with others. And back in the day, you used to call it um, keeping up with the Joneses. And if I was to go back to 1985 is a good year. I remember 1985, I lived on 2862 Radnor in St. Charles, Missouri, 63301. My phone number was 9461560. That we, we did, we compared ourselves with the Joneses. And I remember the Joneses, they lived three houses down from us. And the Joneses had the latest Atari, because Atari went through a number of uh, improvements. They had the ColecoVision. They had the Commodore 64. They had the cordless phone. They had the Casio calculator watch. I don't know if, if any of these ring a bell to you. Some of you are like, what the heck? One you will think of that came out in 1983. They had the Clapper. They had it. They were one of the first families I knew that had the Clapper. But the problem today is this, listen, okay? Instead of comparing with those on our street, the internet allows us the joy of comparing with everyone on every street in the entire world. And we have created an endless awareness. It's an awareness, but it's an awareness for what we don't have and what we are not. It seems harmless enough, but God thought it important enough that he put it in the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, right between murder and um, uh, idol worship, I suppose. He, he put it in there. He said, do not covet. And we think it's innocent, but it's not innocent if he thought that important to do that today. And I want to tackle today four thieves to our comparison, put the first one up there today. Comparison robs your contentment. Yeah. Or you could call it your satisfaction, your fulfillment. It robs it. It steals it right away from you. I want to explain a bit today about that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It couldn't be clearer than this, although it could look a little bit uh, confusing to read this, but... Try to just read and think as you see this. For we dare not compare or class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. Don't compare yourself with those who commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, it's not wise. 
Paul was very smart in what he said here. It's not wise. The word contentment literally means uh, from the Greek into English, it means something like, um, I got it all together. Uh, I am self-sufficient. I have it all under control. I'm good. So when comparison begins, we no longer have it all together. We no longer have all we need. We need to be content where we say, I have everything I need in you. But comparison steals that contentment. When we compare our lot in life with someone else, we see we need. Well, I, th I was good until I looked at Ron and the way he dresses and how cool he is and how talented he is. And I thought, wow, I was so good. And now I don't have everything I need because I'm comparing with Ron. Ron, get out of here. You, you, met, you messed me up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just using him as an example. Our satisfaction is drained when we do that. Our fulfillment is lost. And um, obviously, there's a lack of peace in our world. I would say there's a number of reasons for that. But part of it is that we compare ourselves. That's why I liked uh, what we saw today, because it wasn't like everyone came up and, um, and was comparing. We just decided just to be who we are. I'll get into that in just one second. Um, Paul tells, us, tells Timothy, look at 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, um, very straightforward. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, don't compare. It's not very godly. I want to uh, say three quick ways, and you put those up there. Three ways uh, comparison robs our contentment. It's almost like a sermon within a sermon. I'm going to go through them real quick. First one, comparison robs our contentment by replacing joy with depression. Mark Twain said that comparison is the death of joy. Comparison is the death of joy. Science agrees with that because research says, and you can find research for everything, but everyone would agree with me on this one. Research says that those uh, found that compare breed feelings of depression. Uh, a second way that comparison robs our contentment. Comparison robs our contentment by giving you FOMO. You know what FOMO is, don't you, Jared? What does FOMO stand for? The fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. I wonder what's... It's Sunday. It's 10.15. It's 10.20. I am sorry, you guys, but I just need to see what other people are doing right now. Let me just make a call, too, because I know someone's skipping church today. I want to see what they're doing. I am on a trip with my family. I'm having a great time. But you know what? I wonder about that family. I wonder. They look so happy. I wish I had what fear of missing out. It will destroy us when we look at oh this church I wish I had what they had that school that vacation it goes on and on thirdly comparison robs your contentment and this is very this is probably the this one touches me the most inaccurate information what we did today was not inaccurate information we told the opposite of what we usually do we usually like to show 
the good side of ourselves, right? Um, there's a preacher that says we are confused because we're comparing our, um, our behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. When you, when you look at pictures of other people, they are showing you their highlight reel. I don't know if you remember uh, when we used to take pictures with a camera and you went to the store and you bought the film. I don't know how much it was. I think like $12. It feels like it was like you put it in the camera. You take the pictures. Who knows what pictures you took? You think you took a good picture. You don't know if you took a great picture or not. Then you take it to the Kodak store and you get it developed and you wait two weeks before they had our, you know, 24 hour, or first to be 24, then it was one hour photo developed, right? And then you get the pictures back and half of them are terrible. But you show them off to people. They come to your house, they look in your photo albums and some of these photo albums are like, why do we have this picture in here? It's because it costs me like $3 each. So I put all of my photos in the photo album, every single one of them, even the ones that have nobody in them and it's a picture of the sky. And um, that's how it used to be. And we used to say, oh, that was a good picture. This is a good picture. But now we, we take 1,000 photos of one pose. I have a cousin. I'm trying to not let them hear. They don't watch this. But I have a cousin that will take 100 pictures of one pose before he or she posts them. And she'll post, he'll or she will post it. And you'll be like, wow, look at this great picture. But you didn't see how many pictures they took before. And we compare ourselves with pictures like this. The next time you find yourself comparing to someone else, ask yourself, is it really fair to compare when you don't have all the information? Comparison robs our contentment. Number two, comparison robs, this is probably the most important one um, as it relates to living for Jesus, but comparison robs our purpose. Look at this scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. We use this for many things, but that relates here perfectly. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we're all here together serving Jesus, praising Jesus. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and the comparing you could add there, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Everybody say that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Notice this verse doesn't say, let us fix our eyes. On, I want to see what shoes you're wearing. Oh, those are nice. Let us fix our eyes on everyone else so that the author and finisher of our faith can finish what he needs to. Oh, I like that. I like those. Oh, look at that watch. That's nice. Let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Because Jesus, not, Bar not Barbara, <laughs> Or, or Juanita, is the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm not the finisher of your faith. Your mom's not the finisher of your faith. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your roommate, 
the person you like, the marriage that you're in, they are not the finisher. The Joneses are not your author. God is. Imagine this. If I said, we're going to run a race together today. Let's run. On your mark, everybody line up. Get set, go. We start running. And we watch Wanda lead the pack. Right? You watch her running. And then you see someone looking to their side and someone else looking to their side and then they start to stumble. And then you see someone, probably Ron, up in the front looking back at everybody else because he's, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing with him. Look at Bob running front, front, of the, front of the pack and they start looking behind them and they start getting slower because they're looking behind. And imagine someone, one person, Aaliyah, She's running, and she's got her focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of her faith. And she wins the race. She's running with endurance, but she wins the race because she's got her eyes where they need to be. And there's others that are stumbling, that are falling over each other because they didn't keep their eye where they need to. I don't know if you like baseball, but there's at least four of us in the room that do. And, and they say t in, in baseball, when you're running around the bases, you keep your eye on the... When you're running around the bases, you're trying to get home, you keep your eye, you're rounding second, where do you put your eyes? I heard a lot of things, but I'm not sure if I heard the right one. What? The coach. You keep your eyes on the coach. You want to look at third. You want to look at the ball. Where's the ball? Because I want to see if I should run to third. No, you look at the coach. And if you look at the coach, he's looking at the ball. He's looking at where you're running. He's looking, will you make it to third or not? Because he's watching for you. The coach, the third base coach, your Jose Okendo, whoever it is on your team. He is your Jesus. And you look to him and he will tell you to run. When you keep your eye on the ball, it slows you down. Don't keep your eye on everybody else. It'll slow you down. Contentment. Content, or comparison brings contentment. Comparison, or, sorry. Comparison robs our contentment. Comparison robs our purpose. Um, that's why we need to stay in our lane. If we are called as a church, it's hard as a pastor to stay in your lane. Because you, you, you listen to podcasts, you go to conferences, you talk to friends. They say, oh, we do this and this and this. And I say, I know that I'm called to build family in this church, or God's called this church to build family. I know God's called this church to do specific things, like teach people that Jesus actually laughed, Jesus actually smiled, Jesus loves them, a number of things. I need to stay in my lane and do what I'm supposed to do. If you're in your job and you're thinking... Um, Oh, look at that person's job. Look at what they're doing. You need to stay in your lane because you're called to that job. You're not called to their job. If you have certain family, if you have a certain marriage, you have a certain situation, stay in your lane. You're gifted at what you do. Well, I sure love the way they're gifted. I would love to sing like them. I would love to run like them. I would love to uh, laugh like, be funny like them. I would love to get more serious. Like, Ray, Stay in your lane. Be who God has called you to be. Thirdly, comparison robs our relationships. Um... Let me just look at a verse first. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It's a good one. I think we memorized one that was similar to this last week. It says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
Weep with those who weep. That's your memory verse. Can you remember that one? Cry with those who cry, laugh with those who laugh. I think we forget that that's who we're called to be. When we see someone crying or you see someone hurting, I'll just go this way because I don't want to be a part of that. But you'll find that when you laugh with those who laugh and you cry with those who cry, that um, you get closer and you find blessing in the midst of it. But when we start to compare with others, our crying is hidden, our laughing is hidden, and uh, we, don't in, we end up not making friends. We end up making um, secret, I wouldn't call it enemies, but have you ever, none of us have done this, I'm sure, but you look at someone and things are going good for them. Something went well for them. They just won the lottery a million dollars. And there's something inside that says, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, I don't want to. For some reason, I'm jealous. Or you see someone whose marriage is restored and yours is not. You see someone who's this. When good things happen to people, it's hard for us. All of us at times. We'll look at something that someone posts. This is for many in this room. And you want to love what they said, and you might even say liked, loved, cared. You know, the, all those different things you can, you can click. You know, you can, change, you can change your like to all different kinds of things. But in your heart, you're saying, mm. <laughs> right? Because, because comparison will rob your relationships. You will never get deep with certain people because you haven't learned to rejoice. And if you remember nothing else I say today, I would say this. Let's all, all of us, even if you're here for the first time you're visiting or something, let's all get better at celebrating each other. Yes? I didn't expect a clap. I feel like a president or something. But let's all get better at, you know why some people didn't clap? Because they didn't know it. You're supposed to clap at something the pastor says. But also because sometimes we don't clap because we're like, I'm not sure if I can get better at celebrating people. I don't like celebrating people. I like them celebrating me. But celebrating others, let's all get better at celebrating others. Amen? Everybody say amen to that. If you do learn anything else today, do that. When, and, and do it from your heart. When you see something good happens for someone, rejoice with them. It'll create deeper relationships. That's something we want as a church anyways, right? Comparison robs our relationships. Finally, remember this last one as we go into this week of Thanksgiving with family and friends, and that is this. Comparison, and this kind of summarizes everything we've said. Comparison robs our gratitude. I like this quote. Um, Comparison drives you to see only what you cannot fit into your overflowing cup. Kind of deep. Comparison drives you to see only what you cannot fit into your overflowing cup. It's impossible to be thankful when we are comparing our blessing with somebody else's blessing. Uh, when you hear uh, testimonies, sometimes it's impossible to be thankful when you're wishing that was your testimony. 
Um, imagine if we were a fifth grade class, maybe a third grade class, probably even an eighth grade class, probably even this would even work for seniors in high, in, high, in high school. And a teacher goes around the room and she goes to you, just you, appear, it appears to be just you, and she quietly puts a gift on your desk. Maybe it's a gift card to Dutch Brothers. And you're like, yes. And she, she kind of winks and says, good job, I saw what you did. You're doing a great job. You're one of my favorites. And you feel all special inside. And you're looking at your card. And then you watch her. And she goes across the room. And she gives one to somebody else. You're my favorite. I love you. You did a great job. Good. This is for you. And then she goes to someone else. And then to someone else. And then you see her pull out not a $10 gift card, but a $50 gift card. And she says, Jeff, good job. I gave you a little more. Good job. You're doing a wonderful, good job, right? All of a sudden, that gratitude inside starts to dwindle, and you start to not be as thankful because somebody else got a gift card too. I know this is like super 101 basic Christianity, basic being like Jesus, but we need help being like Jesus, don't we? Because every single one of us in here, whether you're a third grader or 30 or 60 or 90, there's something that arises when someone else gets a little more than you got and you thought you were the special one. Comparison will do it. It's evil. That's why he put it in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not have idols, you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't do all those, but don't covet either. It's going to stick. He didn't say it because he is mad at you or doesn't like us. He told it to the Israelites because he knew they were going to compare with one another and they would lose their joy. They would lose their sense of thanksgiving. They would lose their contentment. They would lose relationship with even fa family members because they're comparing. I would do, say to do something weird right now, but I'm not going to. You look across the room, look at every person. Just do a little bit weird. Look at the person to the left and to the right. Imagine that they have more than you. Okay, look to them again, left to the right. Give them a mean look. You little. You, how did you, you, did you dare have something better than I? Our United States of America we do this all the time, and we look, and it, and it divides us. There's a million things that divide us, but there's a big one. Let's start to rejoice with those. It doesn't matter if they're a Christian or not. Some, Christ, some non-Christians get blessed, and at times I'm like, dude. Or I'm not like, dude, I wouldn't do that to God, but I'm like, God, what the heck? I am serving you. I am reading my Bible. Sometimes three times a day, they don't even have a Bible. They, I, don't bet, I bet they never read their Bible. And why are they, why is this good happening for them? Instead of being like, oh, we're all God's children. You just haven't found them yet, and I have. God bless you. I love you. Comparison robs our gratitude. It's exactly what the Bible means when it says, run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. 
Don't look behind. Don't look to the side. Look to Jesus and you'll have all we need. Can you guys, the worship team, would you guys come back up? Um, I want to say a prayer and I want to challenge you with um, three things and then we'll be done today. And I want us to um, search our hearts. I ask you this right now. What is the Holy Spirit? I say this often. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you specifically? Not what I said necessarily, but what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Nothing. I didn't hear anything from the Holy Spirit. If we, if we listen, you'll probably, something I said today will stand out that that's your thing that you need help doing. Maybe, maybe uh, in relationship, maybe with contentment, uh, finding your contentment. Maybe you like to compare your highlights or your behind the scenes with someone else's highlights. Maybe your purpose God has called you to, you're not doing it because you're so caught up in FOMO. <laughs> like, what could I be doing? And God's like, I already called you to what I called you to. Do that. That's what you're supposed to do. The greatest remedy to all these things is thanks, isn't it? This is that simple song. Many, how many knew that song, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart from 1978? I believe it is from. From Integrity Music, 19, I think I saw it on the screen when they put it up there. It tells the date. Is it that old? Or is that 88, maybe? They're going to sing it, and I don't want you to sing. I want you to just listen. Not to see um, who's the best on the team at singing. Not to see how you would compare with their voices. Not to say, oh, I compared this with this band. <laughs> All that stuff we do <laughs> during our worship time, we do that. Sometimes... 30% of our worship is just watching and comparing and judging, right? Same with preaching, too. You're judging. That's okay. You're just a sinner, and you're going to hell for it. But I want you to, um, I want you to look inside yourself, all right, and say, God, help me be more thankful. That's the remedy. That's the remedy for criticism, for complaining, and for comparing. I want to be more thankful. Just listen. And then I'm going to challenge you with a couple of things as we close. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. Don't sing, just listen. Just listen. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his Jesus Christ is
together that chorus and now let the wind and now let the wings say I am strong let the poor say I am rich because of what Share she's all our mamas. She's not just my mama. Yeah. She's not my real mama. She's my spiritual mama. Okay. Um, I just want to share in continuing uh, the comparison idea and the relationships and that this church wants to be family. Um, I lost my dad when I was seven. And my mom being an old Sicilian hardhead, she would introduce herself. She'd say, my name is Rose. And then she say, immediately, I'm a widow, and these are my little girls, they're orphans. Gosh, I hated that. I hated it. I grew up always being introduced as the orphans. Now, I know that in this congregation, there could be people who have adopted children or who were adopted, who have done foster care. All of that is wonderful, but I hated being called an orphan. I refused to accept it and it caused a lot of internal pain and hurt and comparison. Mm -hmm. eh, sometimes I would compare myself, then I'd meet someone that, uh, back then when divorce was like, you didn't want to say it, I'd meet someone whose family was divorced and, they'd s and one little girl said to me once, I wish my dad was dead instead of being divorced. And I was like, what? You, you don't even know what that means. Don't even ever say that. Anyway, what I want to say is that I got saved at 29. And once I received the Spirit of God, I was able to say, Abba, Father. That goes for all of us. I don't care what kind of an upbringing you had, good, bad, indifferent, divorced, orphan, whatever. This is our family. We are all adopted unto one spirit, unto one father. Amen. If you, you don't need to compare any of yourselves to anybody else, either in the world or in this building, because we are all one adopted family under God. There is no change in where you came from, what heritage you have, what ancestry you had. Once the Spirit of God has come in your heart and you say, Abba, Father, it's recorded. It's recorded forever. And you know what? I may know you, and next week I'll forget your name. But the Father doesn't Amen. forget your name. That's right. And you have been adopted in the true family. So if you can remember that, you don't need to compare you don't need to be higher, lower, evenly. We all sit at the Father's table. So this Thanksgiving, when we have 
family that comes from out of town or when we invite friends over and you're sitting at the table, you're sitting at the table of the Father. Amen. All of us are adopted into that family and then we become children of the Most High. Amen. Amen. She's going to preach that at the end of my sermon, that's this. You know, there was a guy named Mephibosheth, and you might not you know that story, I won't tell it all, but he was crippled. The only thing in the Bible that says about him is, oh, there was Mephibosheth, but he was crippled. Because his mom dropped him, and she was running from somewhere. And then David uh, became king, and he said, where's Mephibosheth? Because God told him. You got, you got to make this up for poor Mephibosheth. There's a lot more to his story. And so he found him. He brought him to the king's table. And he sat him with him. And as we go to our tables this Thanksgiving, and some of you are like, oh, I'm not going to a table. I don't got any family. Well, um, you, you, got, you, got the, you got the family of God. Anyone here will invite you. Come to me if you don't have a place to go, and I'll direct you to one. I'm in California on Thanksgiving. You can come with me, but... I'll direct you to one. But when you're at your table on Thanksgiving, wherever that might be, and you feel like you're a loser, or you feel like you're broken, or feel like you're messed up, or you feel like uh, nobody loves me, you feel like I'll never make it, I'll never be redeemed, remember that your father accepts you at his table, and that gives you a responsibility to accept others at your table. So if there's someone that you're, you're thinking about bringing, you're thinking about inviting, but I don't want them, it would ruin our Thanksgiving. It would just ruin it. If you're thinking of someone, think about what God did for you. If you can't, if you don't think you, if you thought you deserved to be at God's table, then you got some other problems. You don't deserve to be at God's table. You are an extension of your, of your father, Abba Father's love. Because you are adopted in his family, you need to find someone else and bring them to yours. The, the success of this sermon is not that everyone invites someone to your table. But the success of this, of this message is this. That whoever is at your table, that you show them love, acceptance, forgiveness. Love, acceptance, forgiveness. You show them, you rejoice with them who are rejoicing. Truly rejoice. Inside of you, you'll feel, you'll feel with joy. Truly cry with them if they're crying. Don't be afraid to cry with them. You will find joy even in the midst of that because you will show them that you're close and then in turn that'll show them that God is close. All right, we're done. Would you stand, stand to your feet? Give thanks this, this Thanksgiving. I'm say this prayer over you. Heavenly Father, we are thankful people because of your son Jesus and what he did for us. We know that gratitude can fix a lot of our shortcomings. So today we say we are grateful. Would you say that with me? Say we are grateful. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. You are the author, the only finisher of our faith. Every time we get our eyes off of you, we are going to lose some of our faith. So we keep our eyes on you. And I pray as, you, as we watch those that came up today, that we would be a people who are transparent 
and open about our issues. That we are all living lives beyond brokenness. We admit to you the sin of coveting and comparing. Be the finishing carpenter to our faith. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.